connected with us. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that he will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. So good to see you guys. Thanks for having us here today. What a joy. What a great church. They say that uh, the people who study such things say that people decide within the first five minutes of attending your church whether or not they're coming back. And Alexa and I decided really quick that we're coming back. In fact, in fact, uh, we're going to be back tonight, as a matter of fact. I mean, right now, we're coming back. But what a welcoming place this is from your parking lot to the people that greeted us coming in. A great church is always, always led by a great pastor. And you have a great pastor. I mean, he is... He is an incredible pastor and an incredible leader. Just in my dealings with him over the past several years and conversations, it's obvious that he loves you, and it's obvious that God has gifted him with leadership ability, and uh, I am so thankful for him. And I know sometimes churches, you don't always know what you've got in a pastor, and I hope you know what you've got in a pastor and what a powerful, wonderful man of God he is and his precious wife. I want to uh, share a message with you called, What is Your Name? What's Your Name? What's Your Name? It's important to know who you are. I read a story the other day about a man named Russell Kristoff, and Russell was kind of a good-looking guy, and kind of like Jeff and I, he was kind of a good-looking guy, you know, and uh, people said to him, they said, uh, Russell, you ought to, he was a young man, and uh, they said, you ought to consider going into modeling. That would be a good career for you, so you need to go to a modeling agency. So Russell went to a modeling agency, and they took a lot of pictures of him with different poses and different props and all kinds of things, and they said, we're going to take these pictures and kind of farm them out to advertisers, you know, and we'll see if anybody buys anything. And if anybody buys any of these pictures, we'll call you. So they took all the pictures. He left. Months went by. In fact, years went by. He never heard anything out of it. So he said, you know, that's that for my modeling career. It's not going to amount to anything. So he, I mean, a couple of decades went by. One day, Russell is in the grocery store, and he's walking down the coffee aisle. And does anybody remember Taster's Choice coffee made by Nabisco? I'm not a coffee drinker, so I I don't know if they still make it or not. Do they still make Taster's Choice? I don't guess maybe they don't since none of us know. But he looked on a can of Taster's Choice And he saw the picture of a guy holding a cup of coffee up to his lips and smiling. And he said, wait a minute, that's me. That's my face. In fact, he remembered taking that picture with a cup of coffee. So Russell recognizes his own face on a jar of Taster's Choice coffee. And guess what Russell did? He called up Nabisco and he said, For two decades you have been using my photo without permission. You're going to get sued. So he hired an attorney sued Nabisco for using his face without permission, and a jury awarded him, are you ready for this, $15 million. The moral of the story is it pays to know who you are. (laughs) It pays to know who you are. Do you know your name? 
Do you know who you really are? It's important to know your name. The Amish understand this. They name their cows. If you go in an Amish barn, over every stall of every cow is a name, and they ask them why. There's actually a scientific study that says if you give a cow a name, it will produce much more milk than a cow without a name. So everybody go home and name your cows today. <laughs> it's important that you know who you are. Are because the enemy is attacking people at their identities, at the level of who they are. The question that follows, you know, it's important to know who you are, but the question that follows is who gets to pick who you are? Who gets to determine that? We live in a culture today where people think, and it's really big in the culture, that we can choose our own identities. You know, people say, I identify as this, and I've, I've simply become an autonomous human being, free from anyone else's uh, input into my life, any other thinking in my life. I get to determine my own identity. I'm going to tell you, friends, you don't want that. Some people let others put an identity on them. They call them a name, and they accept that name and turn and live out that name. You don't want that in your life either. You don't want to decide your own identity, and you don't want to let what they call you determine your identity in your life. You want God's identity over your life. You want him to speak into your life who you are. But the devil knows that that is such a powerful thing in our life, our name, our identity, that he begins to attack us really early in life trying to put an identity on us that doesn't line up with our God-given destiny. In the book of Daniel, we read of Daniel and his three friends. In, in about 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar went to Jerusalem and he carried away captives from the city. And he carried away the youngest and the brightest and the best. He found the best looking, the smartest. Again, like Jeff and I, he found young men like that. They didn't laugh as much this time, Jeff. I think they're starting to figure this out. Uh, he, he carried away the best and the brightest, and he took them to Babylon. And it's so interesting what the first step they took with these young men. The very first strategy, see in the scriptures, Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar often represents Satan and the kingdom of darkness and everything that's against your life and against your testimony. The first thing they did when they got these godly young men out of their home into their country is this, Daniel 1-7, it said the chief of staff renamed them. The very first place the enemy attacked them was at the point and the place of their identity. Rename them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. Azariah was called Abednego. I think one of the sad things about our day is we remember Daniel by his Hebrew God-given name and we've remembered the other three primarily through their Babylonian names. I wish we would rewrite all the curriculum and all the teaching to put back in their original God-given Hebrew names for those names were really powerful. Daniel means God is my judge, his given name, God is my judge. But they tried to name him Belteshazzar which means Baal, protect my life. Hananiah means Yahweh, the one true God. Yahweh is gracious. Shadrach means at the command of Aku, which is a pagan moon god. 
Mishael, who is what God is. That's the name of worship. And all y'all have incredible worship here. I just love the way you praise the Lord. Mishael's name was a name of worship to the one true God. They named him Meshach, which means who is what Aku is, another moon god. Azariah means Yahweh is my helper. They named him Abednego, which meant servant of Nebo, another false god. Think about this. Their God-given names pointed them in the direction of the one true God, but the enemy came in and gave them all names that pointed them away from their destinies in God, away to, to a false God, away to a direction in their life that God never intended them to go. Now, before you get all sad and all disappointed about Daniel and, and his three friends and say how pitiful it is that the enemy gave them a false false name think about you and me think just for a minute about you and me and how when we were young they called us names people say sticks and stones can break my bones but words that never hurt me will never hurt me greatest lie one of the greatest lies that ever been told because words do hurt things they call you hurt Things they say about you hurt. And people call you a name that draws you away from God and puts an identity on you that never was you in the first place that God never intended you to take and accept into your life. It can mess with your life for decades. I'm going to talk quickly this morning about a young man who was raised with this. Now, now I want to tell you, you think we're bad at calling people's names and, and Daniel and his friends escaped with good names, but the Hebrews were terrible at naming their children. You remember when you found out maybe you were going to have a baby and uh, the first thing you started thinking of was a name? How many had already decided what your children's names would be before they were ever born? And my wife, when we were dating, she told me, if we ever have a little girl She's going to be named Daniela, and she is named Daniela. You know how that works, right? I love my wife, Alexa. Do any of you have an Alexa in your home? I do not talk to my Alexa the way you talk to yours. But she told me early on, if we have a little girl, her name's going to be Daniela. The Hebrews were terrible at naming their children when the hebrews gave birth to a baby i'm telling you friends if your mom or dad just had a bad day they would name you something terrible <laughs> they would call you something that would stick with you for the rest of your life and i honestly believe and i think the scripture bears me out that one of the greatest strategies that satan had against israel and against the people of god was their tendency to label their children with names that were not godly. There was uh, a couple young men in the Bible, and they are in an important, the most important genealogical line in all of Scripture. Their names are Jacob and Esau. The Bible says that they were fighting in the womb. You think your kids fight. These two guys were battling it out in the womb. And the Bible said something happened that when, in Genesis 25, it says, the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Esau was born first. He came out first. And when he came out, Jacob had his hand on Esau's heel. 
Think about it. He's not even out of the womb yet. He's not doing anything evil. He's just a a baby, newborn. And he just happens to have his hand on his brother's heel. That's it. There's nothing evil about that. There's nothing wrong with that. He's just a baby coming out of the womb. He hasn't had a chance to even draw his first breath. You want to talk about early. Before he even drew his first breath, he had his hand on his brother's heel. So when he came out, it says the scripture says, so they named him Jacob. And the word Jacob means deceiver, supplanter, or in Hebrew, heel grabber. Think about that just for a minute. And let that sink into your mind what they did to this kid. I had a preacher one time argue this with me and said, well, that name was, I'm trying to get my best sanctimonious preacher voice on, well, brother, you know that that name was prophetic. I said, you're absolutely right, it was. But not in a good way. Because you see, whatever name they put on you if you accept that name you'll go and live it out you'll go and do it you got to be careful how you talk to your children if you say well you're just my difficult child then they're going to be difficult you're the clumsy one get ready to go to the ER Why can't you be like your brother? Oh, my goodness. Please don't say that about your children because you don't want them to be their brother or their sister because they were given special gifts from God and special talents from God. They were made a beautiful, unique individual who have strengths and corresponding weaknesses. There's some things they bring to the world that brother and sister want. But think about this poor kid. He's just coming out of the womb. He just happens to have his hand on his brother's heel. And they label him. They name him Deceiver. And guess what happened for the rest of Deceiver's life? He wrestled for decades being a Deceiver. He accepted the name and the destiny that they had placed on him. And he lived it out the rest of his life up to a certain point. And we're going to talk about that point. The rest of his life, he's deceiving to get everything he gets. He meets his brother Esau. Esau's coming back from hunting and he's uh, Jacob the deceiver is sitting by the way and he's made a pot of stew and he's ready to deceive his brother out of his birthright and Esau falls into the trap and he gives away his birthright, his inheritance. He gives it away all for a pot of stew. Jacob the deceiver had struck again. Later on in life, it comes time for his father, their father Isaac, to give his blessing to Esau, which was his due as the older son. And Jacob conspired with his mother, the deceiver, to go in to his blind father, and he dressed up, and he even put uh, animal skins on his arm because Esau was so hairy, and he put on Esau's cloak, and he, he smelled like Esau, and he deceived his father and stole Esau's blessing. When you live as, as, as a deceiver, you, that's all you can do is deceive. That's the only way you feel like you can get ahead in life is to be what they told you you were. So his whole life he spends doing this and his whole life he's on the run he wrestled his whole life with the label that they had put on him but I'm going to tell you while you're wrestling and while you're struggling with that 
God is after you. God is pursuing you. Because God has something better than what they said about you. God has something better for you. Some of you in this room today, you've lived a long time with a label that people or circumstances or your own sin, your own failures have placed upon you. But today's your day to reject that. Today's your day to say, no, I don't accept that over my life. That's not me. I'm not going to live that way from this day forward. Jacob wrestled his whole life. Finally, he came down to the greatest wrestling match of his life. He wrestled with the Lord. Beautiful picture. He's wrestling with God, fighting over his identity. And they wrestled and wrestled through the night, and finally they came to a time. Have you ever been in a wrestling match? Anybody ever wrestled? Anybody ever watch wrestling? I shouldn't tell this, Jeff. There's a guy who comes to my gym that thinks he's Ric Flair. Everybody wants to go, whoo, right now, right? I'll go ahead and do it for you. He wears the robe and everything. He's got the long hair. And from behind, he looks like Ric Flair. When he turns around, that's not Ric Flair, I know. But he thinks he's Ric Flair. <laughs> we have a lady in our church who I love her to death. She is a famous former women's professional wrestler. In the 50s, she was all over the circuit, and she wrestles. And I tell her, her name's Pat Lida, and she, you can look her up on the Internet. She's there, Pat. And I tell her all the time, I said, Pat, you could still body slam me if you wanted to, couldn't you? She said, you better believe it, preacher, so you better <laughs> behave yourself. <laughs> Jacob wrestled with God. And they just got to that point, and you've been there if you've wrestled, when they were both just worn out. And the Lord asked him a question. And I think it's one of the most vital questions that could ever be asked. The Lord asked him, said, what is your name? The Lord asked him, what's your name? And it moves my heart to think about what he said. He replied, Jacob. I'm a deceiver. I'm a supplanter. I'm a heel grabber. I am what I am. I am what you see. This is what I've done. This is how I've lived my life. Lord, my name is Jacob. And I love what the Lord says to him in verse 28. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. I'm not going to call you that anymore. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men. And have won. I love that so much. When you think about it for a minute, you realize why the devil attacked this kid in the area of his name. Because his name is the name by which we call the nation today. His name was the name of God's chosen people. In the Old Testament, meant to represent him to the world. That was the name that God's people were going to carry as a banner for the whole world. And the enemy tried to mess that up before this kid even came out of the womb. 
The name Israel means one who has fought with God and who has won a prince with God. And he said, from now on, Jacob, that's the name that you'll carry. God says to so many people, and he says to us today, this is what the world called you, but I've got a new name for you. I've got a better identity. If any of you are struggling with identity this morning, and that struggle's real, that's a real struggle. I talk with people who struggle with all kinds of identity issues, and I believe as a church, we're not called to shut those people out. We're called to love those people and to engage those people in conversation and to bring those people to Jesus Christ. We're not called to look on them with disgust. We're not called to joke about them or make fun of them. We're called to engage them because Jesus has put us here on the earth as the salt of the earth to reach people that are struggling. So I talk to people who are struggling with identity issues. I talk to people who are struggling with gender identity issues, and that is a very real struggle with them. You look into their eyes, and there's a human being down there who has accepted an identity, and the enemy has worked on them again and again and again to make that very real to them, and they need this type of thing. But it's not just them. There are Christians sitting in churches every day praising God, serving Him, but yet they're still carrying around their sinful identity. They're still carrying around a name that someone put on them. God is, if you look through the Bible again and again and again, God is renaming people. He's calling people into a destiny they didn't know they had. God told Noah he was a sailor, and Noah became one. God told Sarah she was a mother, and she became one. He told Moses he was a leader. He became one. He told Gideon he's a mighty man. You ever think about Gideon? Gideon's hiding away from his enemies. And the angel appears and said, oh, you mighty man of valor. He didn't look like a mighty man of valor, but God said he was one. And he became one. He told Peter he was a rock. And Peter became a rock. What is your name? How does God see you? What does God call you? I want to assure you it's far better than anything else anyone else has ever said about you. It's a new name and a better name. We have two on our staff team who've adopted children. One of the things that God's doing at Upper Christian Fellowship is he's building a ministry and a culture of adopting and fostering children. We have several families that have done that, and we even have a group now that started represented with about 15 families who have brought children in to foster them, and I think that's such a powerful thing in a nation where we struggle with the, uh, with the terrible crime of abortion that's all over our nation. And then there are people who, who want to have children but can't. I've said this many times. There's so many parents that want to have children that we've got to do something to connect these mothers that are struggling in a, in a crisis pregnancy to people who want to have children. And we've had several to adopt these children. And I tell you, it's one of the most beautiful and powerful stories. One of our staff members told me he adopted his little girl from a, from a crisis pregnancy situation. And one of the things they did is when they brought her into their home and, and got the adoption finalized, he said, she got a new name. And he said, I, I still know what her old name was, but there is no legal record anywhere in the United States of America of her old name because that name has been expunged. 
I like that word, expunged. That means it's gone forever. That name is gone, and now he told me she has my name. I just wonder if some people in this room today would let Jesus expunge that old identity from your life that people have tried to speak over you and put on your life. You've got to throw those things off, and you can in Jesus Christ. I've struggled with this. Even as a Christian, I've been saved since I was 19 years old, so that's a, I'm 51, you do the math. I don't know how many, but, uh, but it's been a while. Up about three years ago, up until that time, I was struggling. I was struggling with some identities that the world had put upon me. I don't know about you, but if, have any of you, one of my identity issues is I always felt like an outsider. I really did. Everywhere I went, had some wounds as a child and some struggles as a child, and, and now I'm, you know, 48 years old. I've got a beautiful wife, two wonderful kids. I'm pastoring a successful church, and by all outward appearances, I ought to be the happiest guy in town. But deep down in here, something's wrong. Because everywhere I went, I always felt like I was an outsider looking in, like everybody else had their thing, and I was always on the outside. And that really struggled. That was really a big deal for me. And I was praying, and I had some other things, some other identities I'd accepted. And I, I got to praying about this. And um, I went home one afternoon. Now, now this is just going to show you how stubborn I am. I'm stubborn. Anybody else stubborn? I'm just really glad my wife didn't say amen when I said I'm stubborn because she knows it. This precious lady here knows this better than anybody, I'll promise you. I am stubborn. I can be hard-headed. It can take a long time for something to get through this head and into this heart. I went home one afternoon, and I just said, uh, Jesus, you got to speak to me. So I asked Jesus to speak to me, and I started watching YouTube videos. may not be the best way to do this. But I was watching YouTube videos of preachers and people proclaiming the word because I, I just needed a word. And I had one. I, I turned on this video, and this well-known uh, pastor from the West Coast was speaking. And he kind of he looked into the TV, and he started talking about a ministry that exists that's a powerful ministry has been around the world to help people find their God-given identities and deal with issues like this. And he said this. He said, I want to recommend to you the ministry of, and he named the couple that founded it. And when he named their names, I just practically fell down on my bed. Because here's what's funny about it. Those people attend my church. Now, there's two things you can say about that. Wow, how cool is that? Then you can also say, wow, what a stubborn preacher <laughs> that he sees these people every Sunday and hasn't already dealt with this. And I went down and I spent a week with these people praying, talking, hearing from God, hearing what God says about me. And pushing away all the other voices and all the other labels and all the other names that have been put over my life. And I found out what God calls me. God says, you're part of my family. You're part of my team. 
You're on the inside. As it says in Ephesians, you're accepted in the beloved. And I'm going to tell you what, friends. I got free. I got free. I don't have to worry about what they say anymore because I know what he says. I don't worry about what they think anymore because I know what he thinks. I don't live under that shadow anymore because I know he looks down on me and he's well pleased because of what Jesus has done. I thank God for freedom. Go back to our friend Jacob and I'm going to close here in just a minute. Jacob began to walk now in his new identity. As you read the story, you see a visible change in his life after he'd been renamed. I didn't say he was perfect. I didn't say he never made a mistake again. But after he wrestled with God, he was a different man. You come down later in his life in Genesis 35, and this is so powerful to me. It says in Genesis 35, 16, Leaving Bethel, Jacob and his clan moved on toward Ephrath. But Rachel, his wife, went into labor while they were still some distance away, and her labor pains were intense. And after a very hard delivery, the midwife finally exclaimed, Don't be afraid, you have another son. So now Israel is having his youngest son, Verse 18 says, Rachel was about to die, but with her last breath she named the baby Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. Did I tell you about the Hebrews? She's got a hard delivery and really so hard that she died. And she was going to name her youngest child son of my sorrow. But I love this. This makes me want to shout. You ready to shout? Anybody like to shout? It's going to be loud in heaven. The baby's father, however, Jacob, however, Israel, however, called him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. You see what happened there? Jacob, I just can feel the wheels turning in his spirit. Saying, nope, they did that to me, and I wrestled my whole life. I lived under that label my whole life, not doing that to my boy. He's not going on around the rest of his life carrying the title of sorrow that he brought death to his mother. You look at Benjamin's life, and he had some powerful things go on in his life later. His tribe had some powerful things happen. Because his father said, nope, he's not the son of our sorrow. He's the son of blessing. He's the son of my right hand. He's the one that brings blessing and joy to me. God's called us to be salt and light in this earth. He's called us to make a difference in our community. The only way we're going to do that, my friends, is to know who we are in him. He's got something better for you than you have for yourself. He's got a better name for you than what they've said because in the end, it's not what they say. It's what he says. Amen. Amen.
not be identified by your struggle. You're going to wear the name that your Savior gives to you. Amen. Amen. Let's bow for prayer today. Jesus, we love you so much. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this great church today. God, I thank you for the worship that has ascended today. I thank you that your name has been glorified. I thank you, Jesus, that you have done great things already here this morning. I thank you for the heart of Jesus that I felt when I walked in this place this morning. Heart of welcome and a heart of love. And a heart that says you belong right here. Lord, the enemy's come in, and he's lied to some people in this room. He's told them that they're not good enough. God, there's some people laboring here this morning in this room that it's just never good enough. The more they try to achieve and the more they try to do, it's never enough. They've seen success, but they just keep grasping for something else. And you want to bring them to a place of rest in you. There's some people here today who've sinned. They've messed up. And they've messed up big. They've done some things they're ashamed of. And some of them here today are still carrying the identity of their struggle on their life. Thank you that you're here today to lift that off of us. Some are here today, God, and they have been shamed as children. They've been labeled. They've had things said about them, and they've, they've been tough. They've been resolute. They've continued on with their lives. They haven't let it destroy them. But, oh, God, those labels have kept them from being all that you've created them to be. Help us to see this morning that the labels they put on us were meant to destroy our destiny. And the name you have for us counteracts and contradicts that label this morning. May we hear from you and what you say. I just invite you for just a minute, in the quietness of the moment, to let God say to you, what is your name? What have they called you? What have you said about yourself that's not true? How has the enemy tried to reshape your destiny? Let him speak to you right now by the Holy Spirit. Your head's bowed here for just a minute. Can I just, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, uh, God's speaking to me this morning. I'm there. Can I see your hands really quick? Amen. God bless you. There are others here today. Can I? God's speaking to me. God's showing me some things. Can I see them again? Hands all over. I see a bunch. Yep. Yep. Amen. Amen. Now I want you just to let the Holy Spirit right now speak to your heart. Let him speak to your heart. And let him give you a new name right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your life. We receive from you today a new name.
a new name. You can look up at me now. I love what it says in Revelation chapter 2. It said, anyone who with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, this is in the end, I will give some of the hidden manna that's been hidden away in heaven. Then he said this, I will give to each one a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. God's name for you. Accept it this morning. Believe it.